McKinsey Consulting uh, did a report recently talking about the cybersecurity category moving to a $2 trillion opportunity as we close out the decade. Hey everyone, this is Prashant and I'll be your host of the VC10X podcast. And today we have Richard Seewald with us. Richard is a founder and managing partner at Evolution Equity Partners and is responsible for all aspects of the firm's global activities and strategic decisions. He leads investments in cybersecurity, enterprise software and data analytics and brings over three decades of investment, operational and entrepreneurial experience to his role. He's an investor and board member in category-defining software companies like AVG Technologies, Open DNS, Cognitive Security, Carbon Black, Security Scorecard, Onapsis, Lockpoint, DF Labs, Fortscale, and Panasir. In this episode, we talk about how Richard started investing in cybersecurity, how big is the cybersecurity market, what are the subcategories within cybersecurity, importance of cybersecurity with AI becoming stronger day by day, possibility of cyber wars, common mistakes made by cybersecurity founders, and so much more. So without wasting any time, let's dive straight in. Hey, Richard. So good to have you on the VC10X podcast. How are you doing? Hey, Prashant. Doing well. Very pleased to be here and look forward to talking about Evolution Equity Partners and the cybersecurity investment market today. Absolutely. To start things off, uh, can we have a glimpse at how all things started for you at Evolution Equity Partners? Uh, I know you have very early picnics, maybe I think around 2008, and that's when Evolution Equity Partners started. So tell us about that beginning story of how you started investing in cybersecurity. Sure. So Evolution Equity Partners as a team started working together about 25 years ago, and the team was the executive team around ABG Technologies. And ABG Technologies was an endpoint security company that we helped build, take public on a New York Stock Exchange in 2012. And the team continued to work together as we exited our position in ABG. And we took a playbook that we had developed over uh, a long period of time that you know was relevant to company building, in the cybersecurity space, we you know, continue to utilize that playbook over four funds, and we're investing our latest fund today in market-leading cybersecurity companies. That's very interesting. So AVG is the antivirus software I use here as well, uh, and I'm sitting here in India, and I've been using that for some quite some years now. So, and that's one of the most popular companies in the space, and also I believe one of the most successful investments you've made as well. Uh, so t- talk, talk us into... Uh, how that investment happened. I think that was also super early days in the journey of Evolution Equity Partners uh, and also the playbook that you're talking about. So what's that specific playbook that you noticed there that you're now trying to replicate uh, in your other portfolio companies? Sure. So look, we we invested in ABG very early on in sort of the development of the cybersecurity space. And over that next decade, built it from a single product company, single digit revenue company to multi-hundred million, multi-billion dollar outcome. And since then, we've invested in over 50 cybersecurity companies, uh, companies like Carbon Black, Security Scorecard, Arctic Wolf, Aqua Security, 
uh, Open DNS, really market leaders that represent, you know, best of breed cybersecurity companies in the industry. And I think the experience that we had in building, operating, being technologists and investors all came together very nicely as we used all of those capabilities, skills, know-how, judgment to begin uh, investing. And I think that underlying importance of judgment around investments coupled together with operating experience is a force multiplier in terms of being able to deliver the type of value that investors should be delivering with respect to uh, helping companies grow. So that playbook consists of a number of areas that we've constructed over time and which we've uh, organized in the form of centers of excellence around cybersecurity growth. And they focus on marketing and sales, product technology, business development, and mergers and acquisitions. And through those centers of excellence, we engage directly with portfolio companies, with CEOs, their teams on a regular basis. We sit on boards of companies, but then in between those board meetings, we're working regularly on items that companies want to improve on, that they may want to enhance, and that in the past that we may have encountered as a team or through our 50 plus investments in the cybersecurity space. So it's really pulling together that playbook in an institutional format. Uh, and again, those centers of excellence play an important role in terms of delivering the value add that Evolution Equity Partners delivers today. Absolutely. That, that's amazing to hear. Uh, and also trying to get a good overview of the cybersecurity as you look at it today. So how do you see the cybersecurity space shaping up and where do you think the key opportunity areas lie? Yeah, great question. So as we look out over the next 10 years, uh, McKinsey Consulting uh, did a report recently talking about the cybersecurity category moving to a $2 trillion opportunity as we close out the decade. And that $2 trillion opportunity is a 10x growth upside on the current vended base of cyber. So clearly, a category that has persistent growth, has had persistent growth for several decades, is no longer a nice to have, it's a must have. Cybersecurity has moved over the last 20 years from the back office to the front office, to the boardroom, fiduciary duty of every organization in the world. And that positions this segment extremely well through in and throughout cycles. So notwithstanding where we are in the economic cycle, cybersecurity continues to perform. I think a reflection of that is public company performance uh, over the last quarter. So when you look at that performance, it is demonstrative of the demand in cybersecurity today. The private markets you know, look similar in terms of fast growth businesses developing next generation technology that make up that uh, driver and platform for uh, the next generation of this category. So we're very pleased to have back some of the leaders in this segment. Absolutely, that's great. Uh, and now let, let's talk about the subsectors uh, within the cybersecurity space. So what are the key areas or how do you categorize your investments within the portfolio? Sure. So one area that has, you know, 
received attention and we think is still in the early days of uh, development is the area around cloud security. Because of the complexity of the cloud, whether it's hybrid, on-premise, or permutations of all of those, the ability to secure the cloud uh, has become front row and center, particularly in the wake of COVID-19 as uh, more digitalization happened and shifting to the cloud accelerated. So that's one particular area that we've invested in. Companies like Aqua, Trueford, a demonstrative of the leaders that we backed in that category. Shifting over to endpoint security. Endpoint security, the largest uh, spend category in cyber, has always been a dominant player in terms of companies that are represented there. Companies like CrowdStrike, uh, Carbon Black, Silence, and more recently, Sentinel One present uh, a significant opportunity in this category as you know demonstrated by their success. We invested in a company called Talon Cybersecurity, which is an endpoint security company that plays in the secure browser category. Uh, we invested in that business, and just two weeks ago, Palo Alto Networks acquired the business or announced that acquisition. So it's demonstrative of, of number one, the continued M&A market in cyber, and also the vibrant endpoint security category uh, that we will continue investing. So expect more investments from Evolution Equity Partners in that segment. I'd say another category that we like a lot is the managed detection and response segment. And there we invested in a company called Arctic Wolf, by far the market leader in managed detection and response for mid-sized businesses. Fast growing business uh, has grown triple digit top line for many years, is positioned uh, extremely well to consolidate that category, to bring end-to-end security tools to mid-sized businesses adding on to their managed detection and response platform with companies like Revelstroke, which is uh, a SOAR automation platform that they acquired a few weeks ago. I think that's a great example of, you know, Arctic Wolf consolidating around them. Uh, look out for that company. Uh, they're going to be positioned well over the next couple of years. Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned how COVID actually accelerated the pathway to the cloud. And now there's another trend that's that we are seeing, and that's artificial intelligence, right? So how do you think that is going to increase the demand of artificial intelligence and how that has shaped uh, your investment strategy at the firm as well? Yeah, great question. Look, we've been investing in machine learning and AI for cybersecurity over the last decade. It started with a company that we backed very early on in the development machine learning and AI and cyber called Cognitive Security. Um, that was in and around 2011. And Cognitive Security focused on detection and response. Uh, they utilized machine learning and AI uh, to address advanced persistent threats, looking at net flow data. As that company grew, we had the opportunity to exit. It became part of Cisco's infrastructure and foundational to Cisco's cybersecurity machine learning and AI platform. So in terms of AI and ML, cybersecurity industry has utilized that technology for many years. What I think is interesting in today's market is obviously with the mainstreamization of large language models, uh, you, you know, you've seen this recognition that AI and ML have extended capability. 
I think what that means for defenders is uh, a broader attack surface. So it's not only the machine learning and AI that was used for detection and response historically in the cybersecurity stack. It's now the large language models that are integrated into a corporate infrastructure that needs special security tools, special privacy treatment, a host of other areas that have increased that attack surface. So there, we've invested in a company called Protect AI. And Protect AI is at the forefront of protecting developer and builder ecosystems uh, for machine learning and AI algorithms. So they're defending against algorithm manipulation, uh, poisoning of data, and a host of other threats that exist uh, with that uh, expanded use of machine learning and AI that every company out there is utilizing. Protect AI at the forefront of that category. Look out for that company, tremendous team, uh, great technology, and uh, massive market in, in that segment over the next five to 10 years. Absolutely, I totally agree. And uh, do you see that the threats uh, in the cyberspace getting more and more sophisticated with AI coming in? Because people on both sides, the good side and the bad side, are going to utilize AI to you know add to their armor. So do you think that the new solutions that need to come also need to adapt to that? Uh, and what are the key areas in that respect for you? Prashant, uh, over the last couple of years, we've seen adversarial nation states, hackers and criminals raise their game. Uh, the attacks are better funded, utilizing next generation technology, including machine learning and AI, are more persistent and ultimately have greater impact on the infrastructure uh, around the world. So, uh, you know, it's a cat and mouse game in the cybersecurity space, uh, defender and attacker uh, are positioned with next generation technology uh, I think you're going to con continue to see that uh, persist over our lifetimes. There's really no single bullet that solves the problem. It's layers and layers of technology on the defender side that enable uh, companies, governments, individuals around the world to defend and protect uh, their assets. Uh, so a continuation of that is wholly expected over uh, in the you know time period ahead of us. Absolutely, totally agree. And uh, since I have you here, I would love to get your perspective on cyber warfare, you know, and its role in, you know, in national security, even because we have seen war going on, going on in different parts of the world. Uh, and how important is it for a country to protect its uh, cyber assets and, you know, all the resources so that the data is safe and all the, you know, systems are functioning properly without any intervention of any malicious uh, software like that. So how, how important is that? And do you think that cyber warfare is a realistic thing and that can actually happen at scale? You know, when you look at the resources that governments expand on cybersecurity to enable uh, a safe uh, environment, clearly it's front row and center and a priority for any type of uh, organization or government around the world. So the answer is yes, it's a priority. Um, in terms of the use of cyber in any kinetic uh, warfare, clearly uh, it's being utilized. It has been for some time and continues to be an element, uh, a lever that uh, countries use to effectuate their goals. I don't think we're going to see 
that uh, stop or uh, you know be resolved that'll continue to be the case going forward. And I think you see that in today's environment in many different ways. Um, I think some of that uh, bleeds over into how uh, misinformation and disinformation is utilized. Uh, it relates to uh, uh, attacks and hacks on critical infrastructure and a host of other areas that can be impacted uh, during times of conflict. Absolutely, totally agree. Uh, and talking about your investment approach uh, at Evolution Equity Partner, so you, you've seen a, quite a lot of game film uh, over the years investing in the space. So what do you think is uh, a good criteria to evaluate uh, uh, startups operating in the space? And what are the biggest predictors of success if you talk about the early stages? So look, technology, uh, clearly important, extremely important to have differentiated technology that enables, uh, you know, the ability to uh, commercialize a product in a very competitive market. Uh, speaking about market, total addressable market, extremely important. I think those are table stakes. What really differentiate a great uh, company is clearly the people. This is still a people business. So founders and executives that have the persistence, the grit, the know-how, the capability to drive a company uh, through in and throughout cycle, uh, I think is the most important uh, aspect of choosing uh, a company. There's a lot of companies with great technology. There's a lot of companies that potentially even address bigger markets, but it's far and fewer that have the team, the personality, the type of uh, background uh, to enable success, to drive that through to an exit and generate returns for investors. Absolutely. And on the flip side, what are the red flags that you think can be seen early in a company that make you avoid an investment despite all the other things being good? If there's that one bad thing, you'd say no to that. What's that thing? You know, I think when you look at companies that address small markets, whether they're point solutions, single product companies, uh, companies that are, you know, a subcategory of a category where it's unlikely that, in fact, the company will generate, you know, uh, revenue beyond several hundred thousand. I think looking at that, that total addressable market and the ability to build a, a sizable business should be one of the first things that an entrepreneur looks at. Um, you know, in the cybersecurity space, you tend to see point solutions and single products be limited. It's not always the case. There are exceptions to that rule. But, um, you know, in, in many cases, uh, it, limit, it, it uh, uh, limits the company's ability to uh, expand and grow to an optimal size. Absolutely. And uh, talking about TAMS here, so one perspective that I've heard on the podcast uh, that other VCs have shared is that TAM maybe isn't that important in the early stages because because startups still have the ability to pivot. Uh, and they've seen a lot of cases where initially the TAM wasn't as big, but then over time uh, it went bigger and bigger in size. They pivoted to maybe a larger market, or different product, or maybe acquired more products that added Time, more time to the product. So what's your, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, more important for us are the ability to take a company that has the potential to be a platform. Uh, and the way we define platform is the ability to 
uh, have solid technology in place that enables the upsell and cross-sell of a suite of products that enable a company to get to that multi-hundred million dollar revenue outcome. And there, TAM always matters. Uh, look, you're not going to get you know, uh, to that outcome if you're not thinking about that early and you're not thinking about the pathway there. Look, the advice to very early stage is heads down on product and technology and going to market. And then as uh, you develop into a growth stage business, that ability to, uh, you know, move into platform status and sell uh, a suite of products enables you to expand that TAM exponentially. So you're absolutely right. It's not even the case uh, that's limited for startups. You've seen publicly listed business like Palo Alto take that platform uh, approach and expand their business uh, many fold by acquiring businesses and then upselling, cross-selling on a massive installed base. Uh, so that gener that opportunity to expand uh, is really determined on the pathway of understanding whether the company is a platform or not, can reach that platform status, and ultimately upsell and cross-sell into a multi-hundred million dollar revenue outcome. Absolutely, that's, that's great. Uh, and now, uh, let's talk about the evolution uh, of Evolution Equity Partners, uh, very fitting to the name. So uh, do, do you think the strategy has uh, changed ever since you started the firm? You know, any differences in your approach or do you think it's more or less the same? You know, in terms of our portfolio construction, we've always been focused on multi-stage approach to investing in cybersecurity, early, early growth and later stage. Our sweet spot has always been series A, B and C. But that doesn't mean we'll go early or even go later. Our approach to this has always been that we provide our investors optimal exposure uh, to a hard to access category in the cybersecurity space through that spectrum of opportunity that they get when they invest in one of our funds and exposed to that type of portfolio. So it's been a very consistent uh, strategy since our first fund and moving into our fourth fund. Uh, we've had success with that strategy and we'll continue to deploy that strategy through and, and throughout markets. Absolutely. That's amazing. Uh, and now talking about uh, how you've seen founders operate in the space, what do you think are the most common mistakes uh, that founders make uh, while uh, building cybersecurity startups? You, you know, I, I think the pivot from being a engineering-led founder to truly a CEO of a business where you kind of have to give the controls over to other individuals who will take over uh, responsibilities that you may have had. Um, that transition is one of the early indicators of the ability of a founder uh, to be successful long-term. And whether that founder, and let's assume they're an engineering-led founder, uh, continues to be the CEO, uh, in particular, if they continue to be the CEO, being able to delegate those responsibilities that previously were, uh, you know, in one's hands is one of the key things. And being able to do that involves hiring in a smart way. So I, I think that transition happens gradually. The ability, first of all, to uh, internalize that and then be able to reflect that in the quality of hiring is one of the strong indicators of scalability of a particular business. Yeah, I totally agree. 
Uh, and coming to my last main question before we move on to the ra rapid fire round, uh, and this one is about what's your view on a global cybersecurity landscape and where, where do you see it going uh, in the future, maybe in the five to 10 years time frame? You know, I gave you that number that uh, McKinsey kind of set out on the next uh, seven or eight years. I think what that demonstrates is uh, a pretty robust category evolving over that time. We invest everywhere from Palo Alto to Prague and on to Tel Aviv and really anywhere around the world where we're seeing uh, high quality cybersecurity companies. Uh, and we're seeing that in places that we haven't seen before. The quality of businesses have uh, increased. The performances of that business, of these businesses have increased. And I think we're gonna continue to see that in part because of the demand for next generation technology and to defend and protect against what you uh, noted before. The attacker is certainly not slowing down because we're you know, in a particular economic cycle. They're not slowing down because of a particular crisis. Quite the opposite, the doubling, tripling, and quadrupling down on their ability to deploy uh, attacks. Likewise, defenders are implementing the same type of technology to defend and protect. So uh, persistence of revenue will continue in this segment, and we can expect that over the next decade. Absolutely. It's a very exciting and ever-evolving uh, space to watch out for. Uh, and now let's do the rapid fire round wherein I'll ask you five quick questions uh, about the investing that you're doing uh, and you have to give five quick answers. Sounds good? Awesome. Awesome. So the first one goes, what are the sectors and regions you invest in? So we're investing in North America, Europe, uh, uh, Israel, uh, focused on that growth and early growth stage segment across that uh, geographical spectrum. Great. Uh, and the sector is uh, cybersecurity alone or is there, are there more sectors to that? We're focused on the cybersecurity and adjacent category segments. So those adjacent categories are really technologies that are impacting the cybersecurity stack. Awesome. And what's the typical stage of investment? Our sweet spot, Series A, B, and C, we're writing tickets from 20 million to 100 million. We could go larger. We could go smaller on early stage, but that sweet spot has always been and always will be Series A, B, and C. Uh, where can founders reach you in case there's a direct way? They can reach out directly on our website and uh, we'll definitely be able to see uh, any uh, communication. So look forward to that. Awesome. Last one. Uh, where can our listeners follow you? Uh, they can follow us on LinkedIn. They can follow us on uh, Twitter, X. Uh, they can follow us on our website or across the podcast that uh, we produce on, on YouTube and other platforms. Awesome. I'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes below. Thanks so much uh, for coming on, Richard. It's been a pleasure hosting you. And thanks for the in insights that you shared. Hey, Prashant, thank you very much. Hope you have a great day and a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you. Same to you.